You're listening to the Shoreline Community Church Podcast. For more information, check out our website at www.shorelinecc.com. Today, we're starting a new four-week series that we're calling the Summit Series. The Summit Series. And it's based on the analogy of being here in the the Northwest, we are surrounded with mountains that, except for when the smoke's there, we can see them and it's beautiful. And we call it the Summit Series because the word summit, it really has two meanings. When you look up the word summit and you think about it, the Summit Series, often people would refer to it as a place. Have you ever heard someone say that, man, I'm heading for the summit, or I want to go to the summit? One of the things that's on my checklist is one day I want to summit Mount Rainier. Who wants to go with me? Who wants to be part of that life group? You there? All right, I'm taking names. I'm going to call you. We need a guide. (laughs) But that's on my hit list. That's Summit Series. Getting to the top, it means that highest point. And we see that in Philippians 3.14 where Paul is talking about it's the high calling of God that God calls us to. But somewhat, it also has the second meaning, and it has a meaning of an event where it is the gathering of the minds to bring direction and unity in order that me, we might work together for the common good of everyone. And around our world, sometimes you'll hear things like there's a summit meeting happening, and all the world leaders, they get together because they have this challenge or they have this problem that it takes everyone to work through. It takes everyone getting together on the same page. And those can be difficult meetings, can't they? Unity is a very difficult thing. But we have the Holy Spirit this morning. We have Jesus to bring us together and to unify us. So as we head into this series today, my goal is that as we walk through this, that it will unify us and it will show us, one, as we look at why we're gathering here today and the importance of it, But then next week, we're going to start diving into how do we do the climb? How do we climb the mountain? What does it mean to go up that mountain, and how do we do it? Because someone who approaches a mountain without a plan is often someone who needs to be rescued. And that happens around here. Every year, there are people that need to be rescued off of Mount Rainier because they just took off. We need a plan. We need to be wise. We need to be thinking and saying, God, how are you planning me? So this week, we're looking at the team, the aspect. Next week, we're going to be looking at the climb. And then on day three, we're going to look at Summit Day. How many are excited about Summit Day? Summit Day. See, Summit Day is where we go for the top. This is where we see the view. But Summit Day is also where most people fail and they bail out and they get there. And that's not what the Lord has for us. So this week, we're going to be looking at the team. Next week, we're going to talk about the climb and Summit Day. So today we're focusing on the team and we're talking about why are we here? Why is the team here today? And as I began talking about this, it made me think of a climb that I got to do back in 2011 when I got to Summit Mount Kilimanjaro. That's not Photoshop, that's me. (laughs) This is the top of Mount Kilimanjaro. Mount Kilimanjaro is in East Africa and in 2011 I had an opportunity to work with a water well project, a project that was bringing water wells to some of the most remote areas of Eastern Africa. And in the process I got to do some training, I got to be trained, but I also got to climb Mount Kilimanjaro. And because I have wonderful friends, when friends heard that I was fundraising, I raised $25,000 for the water well projects in that process. But as we began to look into it, I had some very good friends. And your really good friends, they really have no problem telling you what's in their mind, right? The people that are really close to you, if it's in their mind, it just comes out. And these were all, all of my buddies are this way. 
But they began to tell me, they said, hey, you know, Dwayne, you're climbing Mount Kilimanjaro. Yeah, that's the tallest freestanding mountain in the world, right? Yes, it is. It's just below 20,000 feet, right? Yes, it is. 20,000 feet is the kill zone, right? I'm like, yes, that's the kill zone. <laughs> they said, did you see in the news, I know you're a tennis fan, but Martina Navratilova, she tried to climb Mount Kilimanjaro two months ago and, and had to be rescued. Did you see that, Dwayne? I'm like, yeah, I saw that. Do you know that she's a world-class athlete? I'm like, yes, she is. <laughs> Do you know that she's stronger than you? I'm like, yeah, I, I know she's stronger than me. Do you know she's a better athlete than you? Yes, she's a better athlete than you. Do you know that she has more money and probably, probably is able to do it better, and she couldn't do it better? What makes you think that you can do it? These are my friends. <laughs> so what made me think that I could do that? What made me think that I could do that was because I had confidence in a team. The person that recruited me and asked me to go for this, he began to talk about how important the team is. Because see, the idea and the importance of team is not just important in mountain climbing, but the idea and the importance of team is something that we see continually throughout Scripture. When we talk about people gathering together, when we talk about people doing great things for God, we see this community of witnesses, and we see this team that's coming together. And we see this, especially in Acts chapter 2. And if you have your Bibles this morning or a smart device of some sort, I invite you to turn to Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2, and I'd like for us to read this together, and I'm reading from the English Standard Version today, but let's read this together. It says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. They were together. And then when we turn to Hebrews chapter 10, Hebrews chapter 10, this is where you're going to test your ability to know where things are in the Bible, okay? Hebrews chapter 10, read this with me. It says, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience." And our bodies washed with pure water. He goes on to say, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And this is the important part that I want us to mine into today. It says, Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more, as you see the day drawing near. How many enjoy when someone just comes in and they encourage you, and you see them coming, and I'm like, man, they're going to encourage me. That happened to me this morning. I come in here early trying to encourage people, and by the time I get to this point, I'm more encouraged than I ever gave out. I always get more from this community than what I ever give into it, because that's the nature of the body of Christ. The body of Christ continually came together. 
And then back to Acts 20, it says this. In Acts 20, verse 7, it says, On the first day of the week, when we were gathered together to break bread, Paul talked with them, intending to depart on the next day. And he he prolonged his speech until midnight. So you guys ready to be here till midnight on this family day today? (laughs) You better check with your kids. I hope you got enough, (laughs) enough granola bars in your bag for that. Scripture shows us we need to be getting together regularly. We need to be getting regularly together. But it's not always easy, is it? Any gathering of people that comes together, there's times when it's easy, but there's times when it's difficult. It's like family, isn't it? There's times that you get together with family, and things are humming, and the conversation's amazing. And there's times when you come together, and it's hard just getting everybody around the table for prayer at times. But God has called us to family. He's called us to be together. And as we head into this new season, my prayer is that we would recognize the importance that God has called us to be a team. And that's what we're going to dive into today. So let's ask the Lord to lead us and guide us as we bring this team together. Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your goodness. And Lord, I thank you that you've not called me to serve you alone. But I thank you for the wonderful team that I'm surrounded with, the wonderful family I'm surrounded with, the wonderful community that you have called me to. And it's a family and a team that you've called all of us to. So Lord, as we look now to your word, as we look to your truths, let it light a path in front of us. Let it lead us. Let it encourage us in areas that we need to be encouraged in. Let it direct us and correct us in any area that Our perspective needs to be corrected. So, Lord, we open our hands to you saying, Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart now be acceptable in your sight, my Lord, my rock, and my redeemer. And everyone said? Amen, amen. amen. So the first point is, Christianity is what? It's a team event. When we look at Christianity, it is a team event. See, throughout Scripture, following Christ is always in the context of community. The community is that aspect of we're being together, and even as people, one of our big drives is to what? We want to have friends. Even the friends who call you and tell you about Martina Navratilova not making it, what makes you think you can make it? <laughs> okay? Imagine what my, my run was that next morning. I'm like, man, I better step it up. I got Martina Navratilova as a goal in front of me, Okay? So walking through this, this is what community is. This is our desire. This is why we want to get together. This is why there are even so many gathering places all throughout our city. People want to get together. And this is how God created us. And as it relates to the church family this morning, and by church I mean this gathering place that we've come together in, you may agree with it because you're here. Hopefully most of you came here of your own free will and you weren't drug here, but if you were drug here, we have a free Starbucks card for you and we have some great coffee for you to help you with that pain, but hopefully it's a place that you enjoy being today. But our neighborhood does not agree that most of us should be gathering together. Within a two-mile radius around us, even here from where we are, two miles out, when people were asked about the importance of gathering together and should people gather in a spiritual service of any kind, only 20% believe that that was important. Only 20% believe that it was good and that people should gather in some kind of a spiritual gathering. So thank you for being here today. But we need to recognize 
that it's not a value that most of our neighborhood shares. Most of our neighborhood shares. But as followers of Christ, we follow Jesus' example. And when Jesus was here, Jesus was presented in the temple. He started off from the very beginning. The example of Jesus, he was presented in the, in the temple. As a young boy, Jesus studied in the temple. And even as he grew and he began his earthly ministry, he had 12 disciples that he pulled together. This 12, this is this core group. And throughout Luke, we see how Jesus regularly went to the temple. In Luke 19, it says that Jesus was teaching in the temple every day. And then in Luke 4, it says that his custom was to go regularly to the synagogue. This is who Jesus is, and who are we following? We're following Jesus, so that means that we regularly go. But even then, when we look at the early church, for the early church, being together was the foundation of who they were. Acts 2, we read already that day by day, they were attending the temple, and they were breaking bread in their homes. This is why Dr. Whitney says that those who give up the disciplined habit of assembling with other believers have developed an unchristian habit. Let me say that again. Dr. Whitney says that those who give up the disciplined habit, it takes discipline to do these things, doesn't it? Coming together, saying, I'm committed, I'm going to be there. But those who have have given that up, they've developed an unchristian habit. This is why we read Hebrews 10 early, that we should not neglect coming together. This is who we are as believers. We need to come together. Because these gathering places, they represent a safe place for people. And this began back in the early church. It was a safe place to come together. I hope today that as you've come here, that you've discovered this is a safe place for you. It's a safe place where we can come together to be encouraged. A safe place where we can come where we can ask questions of faith. A safe place where we can come where if we're hurting, we can find somebody to help us. Now, is it a perfect place? No. Safe and perfect don't always coincide with each other, Okay. And it doesn't coincide because we are humans and we are not perfect. But our goal is that this is a place you can come to where questions are welcome, where we can grow in that. Because, see, living out our faith is challenging and it is difficult and it is tiring. When you are actively living your faith out, when you're sharing, when you're looking for ways and you're saying, God, how would you have me love my community? How would you have me love my neighbor? When we are actively engaged in that, that can be tiring and discouraging at times, doesn't it? Have you ever gone to somebody to help and to love and to serve them and you got attacked? Maybe it's just me. But oftentimes when we go out and we try to serve and we try to give and we try to give and we, and we give, Sometimes that can be tiring and difficult, can it? Whether it's in family, whether it's here in the church, whether it's outside in the community. That's why we need each other. We need that encouragement. Because see, if I feel no need to get together with other Christians, I need to ask myself, am I actively living out my faith? When I am actively living out my faith, when I am actively out serving, that compels me to come back together on Sunday. I couldn't wait to get here today. And not just because I was excited about the speaker. I couldn't wait to get here today to see all of you. Because it's so encouraging to me to come together and to see you and to sing together, to worship together. We need each other. And being with you, it compels me then to go out and to invite people and to share the love of Christ. And the more that I do that, it means that I need to come back and I need to be refilled and refilled. It's who we are as humans. 
The more that we give, the more that we receive. But we find those places where we receive the encouragement, and it's the body of Christ when we come together. Because see, by gathering, I'm not just talking about checking in. See, I didn't just check in here today. There's times I've been guilty of checking in in the past, especially as a kid. How many of you have ever gone to church and I'm, I'm just checking in? I'm just, there's nothing here today. It's okay. I love you. I've got a Starbucks card for you. But it's just, there's times that we just do that. But that's not what I'm talking about. See, this is about talking to your family, not just when you need something. Though there's times that we need this. But this is about deeply caring for each other. Deeply caring for each other and walking in. This is why healthy families, they gather at the table and not just a drive through window. Right? Families, healthy families gather at the table, not just a drive through window. Now, I'm not trying to come against McDonald's or whatever your fast food thing of choice is. I'm just saying that fast food spirituality, if that's all that we do, we are in danger spiritually, aren't we? Because what is fast food? Fast food is right here, right now, my way for my price. And if you don't give it to me my way, then I'm going to go to somebody else. Or if I find something wrong with it, I'm going to something else. There is no commitment here. This is something I was hungry, I needed it, I needed it fast, and I went and got it. But what we're talking about is we're talking about gathering at the table. We're talking about commitment. We're talking about investing because families take time for each other. Families give grace to each other, and they want to be connected in other people's lives, even when family members disagree with them. Do you have any family members who disagree with you? <laughs> Probably one of the biggest resonance I will get all day. But do you love your family? Do you care for your family? Okay? Do you recognize that even somebody... I was going to say bonehead, but I didn't want to say bonehead, Okay? because I've been guilty of being a bonehead as well. But even when you get in those situations, you love your family and you commit. That's a table relationship where we gather around and you, and you say, pass the chicken or pass the potatoes. Whatever it is. You, and you serve each other. And you help each other. And you stay in those conversations. This is the relationship that we're going. We're not just on a drive through going through. We need to know each other and serve each other and give grace and receive grace when we need it because that's where we grow. That's where healthy families engaged. So this is what I'm talking about when I'm talking about team. But that brings us to the next point, which is the importance of team. Team is very important. That team, that family aspect is so important. It's so important that when you intentionally separate yourself from the team, when you intentionally separate yourself from the community, you end up separating yourself from God. And that's a big statement, isn't it? So I'm going to say it again. But when you, when I, whoever, when we intentionally separate ourselves from the body of Christ... We end up hurting ourselves because we end up separating ourselves from God. Do you know why? Because God is in community. This is his mission. Throughout the Bible and throughout the New Testament, we see this image in Colossians and Ephesians where Christ is called the head of the church. See, God is not just out leading us to be great individuals. God is active out getting us to be active members of the body of Christ. This is the analogy all the way through. He's not saying, Dwayne, I'm going to make you a great individual. 
Nobody will know. It's going to be a great individual. He's saying, no, I want you to be part of the body of Christ. Because we need to engage with that. Because faith is active. We talked about this earlier, and we talked about it all through the summer series. But faith is active. And faith does not thrive. And faith does not even survive in solitude. Because faith is active right here. If you don't use it, you lose it. Whatever it is, whether it's faith, whatever. Faith is active. And we know from James that faith without works is dead. Okay? These aren't my words this morning. This is the reality of Jesus Christ. Faith without works is dead. We need each other. That's why loving Jesus without loving the church is impossible. You've got a conflict of ideas there. Have you heard that before? I love Jesus, but I hate the church. I have. I've heard it quite a bit. And in my life, there are times that I've loved Jesus, but I've struggled with the church. How many of you have been there? I love Jesus, but I struggle with the church. All by myself. I don't know. Because <laughs> there are times that it's tough because of anything that you're committed to. It's a challenge. But faith is active. That's why we are inviting people to be a part of the family of God, the body of Christ. We're inviting people to not join us in solitude. If Christianity was a solitude event, you would never invite anybody to it because if you wanted solitude, as soon as you invited somebody to it, solitude would be ruined. It does not survive in solitude. This is who we are. This is why people who separate themselves from the church they struggle spiritually. And pastors and leaders have been saying this for years, and I've watched it even over the course of my life, that people that I've loved, when they've separated themselves from the church, and I'm talking about the body of Christ, the gathering, the family in some sort, whether it's here or whether it's in a house church or whatever that looks like, when you separate yourself from it, we've seen people struggle. We've seen people fall away. We've seen people end up rejecting God in the process. And a lot of this used to be just anecdotal where we didn't have data on it until now. See, Barna did this study, and they called the study Love Jesus But Not the Church. And do you know what they found out in, in the study? That those who say they love Jesus but not the church, the attrition rate from God was devastating. Those who say that, they found that only 18% said that they talked to their friends about spiritual matters at all, only 18%. And the reason why that's so important is because we talk about the things that we love. If I love Jesus, it needs to be something I talk about. I talk about everything else I love. I tell people about my wife because I love my wife. I tell people about my kids because I love my kids. I tell my people, tell friends about backpacking, all these things that I love because it naturally comes out as what we talk about. When we love Jesus, we naturally talk about him. So 18% of those say they love Jesus, but not the church. They're not talking about it. The study goes on to find that 26% of those who say they love Jesus, but not the church, only 26% even read their Bible. That's not every day, but they said, yeah, there's sometimes I read my Bible. These are followers of Christ who say, I love Jesus, but not the church. And, over, and only just over half disagree with the statement that all religions are basically teaching the same thing. 
When you separate yourself from the body of Christ, you become the confused about even who God is. Because one of the reasons we gather together is to be encouraged, to train, to grow in Christ. So when we hate the church, when we speak against the church and we separate it, the people that get hurt are us as well as those that are around us. It's devastating. See, without being connected to the local church, this group appears to be more affirming of other things except Christ. And in other words, when you do that, you begin to conform to your culture instead of being transformed. What does the gospel do to us? It transforms us. It transforms me. The work of the Holy Spirit in me comes alive in me, and it transforms me, and it brings strength. This is what it does. See, in order to love the church, because sometimes that can be a struggle, and I I recognize the struggle is real. And this morning, for some of you, I may be your your point of of, of struggle. I'm sorry. (laughs) But we need to work on that. And part of working on it comes back to knowing and having the right perspective of, of the church. See, I think sometimes we hate the church, the body of Christ, because we're even confused about what that means. And if I could do this for you this morning and for my friends, it would be to have the right perspective of what the body of Christ is, what the church is. See, many of us, we have an illusion of what the church is, don't we? We have this beautiful illusion or this negative illusion of what it is. And this is often evidenced by how we respond to it. Because often we respond to the church like consumers, like the fast food going through. We want it our way. This makes some people believe that Christians should be perfect, so the church should be perfect. Is that true? No. The church is not a perfect place. Some people believe that the church should be a place where there is no conflict. Is that true? No. (laughs) I wish it was. But there are things that we need to work through. See, sometimes we want to have this spa experience where we come to church and we're just refreshed all the time. And it's just giving. And someone's sanding down your nails and saying, what color would you like today? Or they're massaging your shoulders and going through. I'm not opposed to that. I'm just saying, that's typically not the response because we are actively growing. See, we're a body of believers to where on any given day coming in, we have people who have followed the Lord their entire life, and they have decades of maturity where their faith has been tested and tried, and they've become what even people have called the pillars of the church because they've made a deep commitment here. There are people that have been here through so many changes, and they stand and they go, this is my family, this is my community, I'm standing here, and as long as it depends on me and Jesus and me, I'm here. And I want to say thank you for that. Thank you for being a pillar. Thank you for being strong in that. But then in the middle of that as well, we have new baby Christians that are trying to figure it out, that they're trying to come in and do that. So sometimes you'll even have more conflicts Or sometimes you'll have somebody that's very seasoned and they're trying to speak and they're trying to mentor and there's disagreements because have you ever been wrong about something? Have you ever had a hard time with somebody telling you that you're wrong about something? You should answer yes to that too. Unless you're walking on water. But this is how we grow. This is how we develop. This is how we build this community of trust. 
Because we need it. Because, see, God is love. So the church, his body, this is where we learn how to love each other. But that requires commitment. That requires grace. That requires humility. And those are challenging. That's why we have the Holy Spirit alive in us, helping us, correcting us, showing us the way in it. But this often requires us doing what Dr. Scholey, when she was here at the beginning of our summer series, walking through that process of disillusionment. How many of you remember when Dr. Alicia Scholey was here and she talked about disillusionment? Wasn't that powerful? And I encourage you to go back. We, we podcast all of our sermons, and her sermon is up there. And she does this incredibly well. And I even invite you to do what I did. I went to George Fox University, and I downloaded her thesis. And I began to read through it. But the process that she outlines here is so healthy and it's so healing, I think, for everything in our life. And the way that she explains it is that we often enter into relationships at the level of delight, right? This was how it was with Stephanie. I was like, man, she's perfect. She's beautiful. I love her. This is going to be incredible. And we had this delightful beginning. How many of you have had delightful beginnings? And then we come up around to where our illusion starts to be tested where we're in this relationship, but all of a sudden, that person isn't the person that we thought they would be. Or that person disagreed with me or forgot my birthday or said something hard or I walked through the doors and no one said hello or the coffee was cold or it was gone. (laughs) Right? Because we have this illusion that it should be perfect and it should be there. And if we don't work through our illusion and we're not willing to stay engaged in that, this is where we bail. And we begin to cycle all over. We, 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 tr- we try to find a new church. We try to find a new relationship. We try to find a new friend. We try to find a new school, a new community, a new state. And we go, this time, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be perfect. And then all of a sudden, the illusion we have in our mind starts to be tested. And unless we're willing to walk through this process of what Dr. Scholey calls disillusionment, where we work through it, we pray through it, we're committed to it, we will never experience the level of love that God's called us to. Because see, God is love, but he's also the way, the truth, and the life. We need to deal with this, and we need to be willing to work through and to see things for as they really are, to see God for who he is to see the body of Christ, when we work through that, we move on to what God's called us to. Because love isn't a feeling, is it? No, I love loving feelings. I have them a lot. But love is a commitment. Love is what God has called us to. Love is the way that God has defined it. And to do that, it requires that any illusions we have about it, we say, Lord, reveal to me where I'm missing it. We look to people in our lives that we trust who know the Lord and say, where am I missing it? Where do I need to receive? Where do I need to be teachable? When we do that, we'll find love like nothing else. Have you discovered that? Are you praying your kids will discover that? (laughs) And there are even times that David prayed that. and He said, reveal to me, Lord as it relates to his sin, reveal to me my unknown sin, because sometimes I even have an illusion about who I am. But Lord, speak to me. 
But that's why we have a team, because when we walk through that process, I can say, you know what? I'm in a process. I've got a safe place to come. I can talk to all of you and go, man, I'm in a process right now, and I'm just here because I'm committed. (laughs) Help me in this. And that takes time. But see, as we do this, this is where it brings us into that place of team, because we need each other. This is why it says in 1 Corinthians, it says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. And it goes on to say, if the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If everybody was an eye today, we could see things, but we couldn't hear anything. Or what if everyone was an ear? Or what if everyone was a foot? It sounds silly, isn't it? But that's how we act. We all have a role to play. This is who God is calling us. And even as we talk about this climbing narrative, as it talks about standing at the base of a mountain and going up, there are many members of that climbing team. When I got to do Kilimanjaro, and as I just, all I could picture was Martina Navratilova not making it, okay? Sorry, Martina. I leaned into the team. See, when, when I did Mount Kilimanjaro, it wasn't because I'm, I'm better, and it wasn't because I was this amazing mountain climber. I'm not. I had this team that was brought together. I had this amazing guide who was from Peru, who had done all these amazing things, and he said, you do what I say to do, you'll make it. He stood before our team. Our team ranged from, there were teenagers all the way up to people in their 70s climbing one of the highest freestanding mountains in the world. He said, all of you can make it if you will follow me and listen to me in this. He was our guide. And we're going to talk more about that next week. But then we also had team doctors there because sometimes you get sick. We had four team doctors that were there to help so that when we needed it, It was there. How many are so thankful for medical doctors? We also had cooks that were there that were cooking things for us. It's it's hard to cook on the side of a mountain. We had cooks that were there that were making sure that we had the nutrition because our bodies were acclimating. And again, we'll get into that more next week. But we also had a a setup crew, and we had these amazing porters who were these world-class athletes. Porters were the ones, they've been up the mountain many times. They know many routes up there. They know the mountain. Their bodies are fully acclimated, and they're there to help you. They're there to help you carry the load that you can't carry by yourself. Do you like those people? Have you ever had stuff that you couldn't carry? And you're like, thank God you sent that person to me. These are the pillars that I'm talking about. They've done it. They've been there. This is the team. And not only that, the porter wasn't there to look at me and say, you're weak. The porter was there to say, man, you're doing it. How's your pack feeling? Is it going okay? They never once made me feel bad, though they were physically way ahead of me. They were there to help me see what they saw. They were there to get me to the place I hadn't been to yet. They wanted me to experience what it was like to be there. See, this is the body of Christ. This is the body of Christ. And then at night, even when I went to my tent, I wasn't alone because I had my tent buddy. How many of you love your tent buddies out there? (laughs) This was a guy that was in the struggle with me. (laughs) And we would talk together and pray together and encourage each other. How'd that feel today? Man. And we would share things. 
This is the body of Christ. This is the body of Christ. See, God gave us a team, and he showed us the importance of it. This is why my appeal to you today is to join the team. Man, join the team. Who wouldn't want to join a team like that? See, join the team. This is the will of God. God wants everyone to be on the team. God wants everyone to join the team because it takes commitment to be a follower of Christ. Unfortunately, there are so many people that they're content just to be a fan of Christ. But there's a big difference in a fan and a follower, isn't it? And Kyle Eidelman in his book outlined this so beautifully years ago. And Kyle Eidelman says it this way. As it talks about a fan versus a follower, he says that Jesus never seemed too interested in fans. Jesus wasn't interested in fans. Jesus was looking for completely committed followers of Christ. See, just being a fan, a fan doesn't qualify you to be in the game, right? If you were to go to the Seahawks and go, man, I've been following you ever since you started. I've been there. I'm a season ticket holder. I've got all the stuff. I paint my face all the time, and I'm cheering. Do you think that the coach is going to say, well, I'm going to put you in the game because you're ready? And if he did, all the other fans would be like, get that person out. You shouldn't be putting that person in. Because there's a line between the fan and the follower. And so many times as it relates to our Christianity, we're so content just to be a fan. We go, woo, go Jesus. You guys go do it. And we buy all the Christian stuff. And we buy all these things, and it's all around us. But we never move from being a fan to being a committed follower of Christ. The person that Theodore Roosevelt talks about is it's the victor who is on the field playing, the one who is digging in, the one who's committed. This is why Dallas Willard says that we cannot behave on the spot as Christ did if we spend the rest of our time living as everybody else does. You cannot behave on the spot when the pressure's on, when someone's disagreeing you, when there's something happening in your life and you want to start behaving the way Jesus did unless you start walking in the ways of Christ. And this is often where our conflict comes. It is those steady spiritual disciplines that we're going to talk about in week four. It's following Christ. It's being with Christ. It's being there. Because see, Jesus has called us to follow him and he's commanded us to love It is a call to follow and a command to love that he outlines in the Gospels. Jesus said, follow me. He didn't say, read about me. He said, follow me. He didn't say, cheer. Anybody can cheer. He said, follow me. Follow me. See, we are inviting people to commit to community. We are inviting people to say, would you commit here? Would you find what it takes to get that deep relationship? Because, see, the deepest relationships are those who have been here the longest. There's times over the years of ministry I've had people walk in and they go, Pastor Duane, I'm just not, I'm not feeling it here. I'm like, why? I said, well, because I look at that person and they have so many friendships and deep friendships. And I look over and I say, they've been here 10, 15, 20 years. If you want that level of relationship, be here. Because not only that, if you go talk to that person and you tell them that you're not feeling it, know what they're going to do? Hey, come to my house. (laughs) 
This is a pillar. They're going to bring you in and say, hey, you want to get together for coffee? You want to go out for lunch? You want to come over to my house? You want to? How can we fix this? How can we get you engaged? Because it takes commitment. This is what we're talking about. See, it's time for us to move from being interested to being invested. It is not enough just to be interested in what God is doing here. Your interest needs to move you to a point of investment or you're still just at a fan level. And that's not what God's called us to do. God has placed us at the base of a mountain. Those that climb the mountain are not those that are interested in the mountain. The ones that climb it are the ones that are invested in the mountain. They take, I got this long list. Here's all the stuff that you need. I had to invest just to get the gear to to get ready to go up. I had to commit to listening to the guide. I had to commit to doing what it took to be there. Interest is not enough. We need to be invested. This is why I'm inviting all of you today to ministry partnership. We're called to partner together. Did you hear that through the summer letters? I mean, how many times throughout 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John did we talk about partnership? And even in Philemon last week where Paul is talking about receive Onesimus as a fellow partner. Bring him in as a partner. We are partners in this. See, LAFB, love, acceptance, forgiveness, and belonging, that is only expressed in community and in committed relationships. If you want LAFBA, and who wants LAFBA today? You want LAFBA? It takes commitment. Because love isn't just this ethereal thing that's out there. If all you want are feelings, just go out and get Spotify app and start playing this great list out there. They'll give you feelings. This is commitment. This is leaning in. This is because there are challenges to family. There are challenges to relationships. It gets messy, and sometimes it gets hurtful. But this is true of anything in life. That's why we work hard to get over them. That's why church hopping is so dangerous. And if you're here today checking it out, my invitation to you is to stay here. If it's not here, find somewhere where you can stay. Get invested. Get involved in family. Get involved in family. Deep relationships require commitment and time. Depth of anything, it requires commitment and time. Because even in Kilimanjaro, as we were working that area and looking at water wells, there were sometimes in the process of even digging down deep to where the water was that the well drill would break. So you know what they did? They fixed it. <laughs> they didn't go, oh, it broke now, there's nothing I can do. They said, no, there's water there that God's called us to. They fixed it. They got down to it. They did what it took. They brought in team members and they rallied around it and they did whatever it took. That's who God's calling us to be today, to be people that we're willing to dig in, we're willing to dive in and say, God, I am here. I am here. See, we are the body of Christ. We are the church. Whatever kind of label you want to put on it, this is the gathering. This is the body of Christ that God's called us to. And there are many more all around the region. And when we gather together in this way to be the body of Christ, we become his local witness. There's nothing like it. That's why Jesus fought and died for it. That's why so many of the disciples, they fought and they died for it. Throughout our history, people have fought and died for it because it means something. Amen? Amen. Amen. So as we wrap this up today, as the worship team comes forward, I'd like to just invite you to stand with me. And I hope that you're receiving this today from someone who loves you and say, man, 
I'm standing in this community and I'm looking at the mountain. I'm saying, God, what would you have us do? Do you know where Jesus calls me? He calls me right here. He says, Dwayne, everything you need, I've given to the body of Christ. Will we step up? Will we deal with these issues now? As the worship team just sings this song, I want you to ask yourself the question and say, God, where am I? Am I a fan? Am I just cheering and say, you go, Pastor Dwayne. You go share the gospel with that person. Or am I a follower of Christ is saying, God, give me someone to share the gospel with. Give me somebody that I can talk to who doesn't know you. Or I have this family member who I love that I don't know what to do. Show me what to do. You show me where to speak, I'll speak. You show me where to listen, I'll listen. But I need your strength. We have some questions in your listening guide this morning and some that we're going to just leave up there for a while and I invite you to pray through them. Just ask yourself, are there areas in your life where you're going, I'm following Jesus there, but over here it's difficult. Do you have any of those areas? Man, I'm following Jesus here, but this is hard here. Identify those. Say, God, these are the hard areas. What would you have me do? As it relates to the team, ask yourself this morning, am I connected to the team? Do I value the team? Am I resonating with what Pastor Dwayne was talking about this morning, or am I kind of going, man, I've been hurt before. I've been hurt before. And if you ever ask me, Pastor Wayne, have you ever been hurt by the body of Christ? I would raise my hand and go, yep. You know, I was singing the song by Michael W. Smith this morning. And when this song came out, it really resonated with me. And he just says, I've been unfaithful. I've been unworthy. I have been unrighteous. And I've been unmerciful. How's that for a first verse for a top ten song? Then he goes on and says, I have been unreachable, I have been unteachable, and I have been unwilling. I have been undesirable. He says, sometimes I've been unwise. I've been undone by what I'm unsure of. But then he says, but because of you and all that you went through, I know that I've never been unloved. That's what we're talking about today. We're talking about connecting with the love of Christ. We're talking about engaging and being in there, being real, being honest. So I invite you to take some time. We have, if the prayer team would go ahead and go to the sides. We do this every week, not just to check in and check it off. But let me challenge you today. Maybe this has been a spot where you're like, man, that's tough. I don't want to step out. I don't want to self-identify. Maybe this is what God is calling you to today. And go, you know what? There's Stephen Deanne. This is a challenge for me. I'm going to go over and I'm going to pray with Steve and Deanne. Or I'm going to go over and I'm going to pray with Paul and Matt. Or I'm going to pray with Deck and Marianne and we have prayer teams up on the balcony as well. Maybe this is your test. You know what? Hey guys, pray for me. <laughs> Maybe your test is standing right next to you this morning and you need to turn to them and say, boy, this is a challenge. Would you help me in this today? But let's just take some time to reflect on this. 
before we head off into the rest of our Labor Day weekend, say, God, I don't want to be a fan. I want to be a follower of Christ. Show me where I need to commit. Show me what you would reveal to me today. Speak to us, Lord, now. Your servant is listening. Let's take some time to respond to the word of the Lord today. Thank you.